Hello and welcome to Cloud Automation Weekly. My name is Thorsten Höger and I'm here to talk about automating your AWS cloud infrastructure. Today I'm joined by Andreas Wittig to talk about the state of the infrastructure as code ecosystem. Andreas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thorsten. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. For folks that are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a bit who you are and what you do? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, my name is Andreas. I'm, uh, I'm running a company together with my brother, Michael. And um, actually, we do a lot of different things. I think the most important stuff is uh, cloudonote.io, which is our um, blog about all things AWS, which is also a podcast and a YouTube channel and so on, of course. And um, um, nowadays, what we are uh, doing mostly is um, building software products. Um, so we have uh, different SaaS products that are all related to AWS in a way. And um, uh, yeah, that's what we are doing. Uh, we have been doing a lot of consulting over the past uh, years. So we have uh, learned a lot about using AWS in practice. And uh, yeah, and actually currently I'm, I'm finishing um, the third edition of our book, AWS in Action, which is published by Manning. Um, yeah, so, so in summary, <laughs> what I do is um, AWS related, building stuff on AWS. That's basically the best summary I can give. <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. And yeah, given our topic today and what you just described about doing consultancy work, but also running your own SaaS products, I think you have a lot of infrastructure running. So given that we're talking about automation, I assume you're not using ClickOps and building everything manually. Why? <laughs> no longer, yes. <laughs> so actually, I, I love telling that story. So how I started with AWS and how things evolved over time. Um, so at the beginning, when I really first used AWS, of course, what I was doing is I was clicking through the management console, was setting up, it was basically uh, easy to instances, auto scaling group, load balancer, all that stuff. And um, then I realized, oh, I need a way to automate that stuff. So because I'm making too many mistakes, <laughs> mistakes when I click through the console, I forget, I don't know, security group, stuff like that. And so I think the, the next step I was doing is um, I used the bash script uh, and the AWS CLI to automate the thing. Um, but then, uh, as you may, may have experienced a similar thing, it is not that easy to write a bash script <laughs> to do uh, set up your infrastructure, at least when you also try to update and delete things. Um, so then um, I found out about the thing called CloudFormation, and I was really <laughs> into that and really a big fan of CloudFormation and used it to build um, yeah, basically all of the infrastructures I was responsible for. And um, the concept behind that, I'm just defining the state of the infrastructure that I want to have, the target state. I think this is a really powerful concept that I still like very much. And I think it's um, uh, really a game changer compared to all other alternatives out there. Yeah, I think that that's a really good thing. And so when people tell me about their bash scripts, and the way to end this discussion is normally how do you do error handling? What happens if, if something fails? Where do you resume? And then we finish this discussion about writing bash scripts. And I think that's one of the big things. Maybe you can go into that a little bit more, what you meant with describing the state. It's basically the difference between an imperative way using a script or a declarative state using um, platform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, and over time, I think uh, Michael and I have really 
got into uh, all things cloud formation we are really heavy users of it we we released um, an open source uh, collection of templates um, which is quite popular with a vpc and uh, really all that stuff that you need um, for for your infrastructures uh, and later uh, we we tried to do it another way and used uh, what we call cfn modules which is another open source project so i think we really played the cloud formation game to the end <laughs> and um yeah so that's um i think the i really like the concept and i think um uh, all the tools that that followed us the the declarative approach um are are more or less similar and i think the the power lies in the in the abstraction uh, level or in the in the approach to managing your infrastructure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, so the declarative approach is definitely the winning one because you just tell what you want and let AWS figure out how to do it and not trying to be smarter than AWS with paralyzing and error handling and all the things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, given that we are talking about um, cloud formation, there's obviously the other elephant in the room. So there's just Terraform, which is multi-cloud and does all the things. What do you think about Terraform and compare it to, to CloudFormation? Mm. Yeah, so so from my background, so I was really a big fan of CloudFormation and I always <laughs> used it as the only option and um, avoided all the other tools. Um, but um, within the past, I would say three years or something, um, I started to use Terraform more often, which was mostly because, uh, or I got into this because of a consulting project I was involved in, uh, where they were using Terraform already, and I didn't want to change it right away. So I I just um, dived into Terraform. And um, the thing that I observe is that, um, so first of all, I think the concept is very similar. Of course, there's some details and some features are missing in CloudFormation, some are missing in Terraform and so on. Okay. Uh, but I think the, the main concept is the same. And so it works very similar. And as all those tools use the same APIs in the background, also the, um, I think the, the model the, 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 that you need to have in your mind to create your infrastructure by writing code is very similar. Um, so I think if you are good at writing CloudFormation, you are very fast at adopting Terraform because, yeah, it's it's very similar. Just the, the language on top of that is a little bit different. But the, the concept about AWS and all the resources that you need to build is, of course, the same. So I think that's I think that's the really important thing that you learn <laughs> when using those tools. Um, and um, what I like about Terraform compared to CloudFormation, I think the most important difference for me is um, that Terraform is very, very good at um, implementing all the new features, properties, resources and stuff. And CloudFormation has, is really struggling with that for, I think, the last five years or something. And um, whenever I'm in a project and I need to write CloudFormation code, I stumble upon that one thing that I cannot do because Cloud AWS has not implemented a property or a resource. And then I go to the GitHub, um, what is called CloudFormation Roadmap, and I will find a ticket in there that says we are waiting for this and it's two or three years old and something. I'm, this is a really frustrating experience for me. And with Terraform, um, um, this is uh, not an issue. Uh, so all the resources, all the properties are available. And that's why I, nowadays <laughs> I really like to to go with uh, Terraform instead of CloudFormation um, because I'm just not getting annoyed about all those missing features. 
Yeah, that's definitely uh, one, one of the things. So, so the release cadence or yeah, the, the feature release frequency with CloudFormation is, is not that good. So new services, technically, they need to have CloudFormation support for every new feature they release. But in reality, that's not the case. And unfortunately, this is not true for existing services. So if it's already existing and we're waiting for it, there's nothing forcing them to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was arguing about that on Twitter and someone from VRS tried to convince me that they were doing a good job. But <laughs> I think so if you look at the um, CloudFormation change log, you see that they, I don't know, they update and uh, create uh, about 20 um, resources per month currently. So that's just a, uh, I don't know exact numbers, but that's the house, uh, uh, um, I guess. And um, I think that's just far <laughs> far, far too slow to catch up with everything that is going on on AWS. So the backlog grows and grows and um, they're just not able to catch up with all those changes and it gets worse every year or every month, basically. Yeah, um, and it doesn't make any sense because there is no parallelization issue because CloudFormation is implemented by the service teams and not by the CloudFormation. So yes, I don't, I don't understand. Do it on their I, own. Yeah, so to me, it feels like you could hire some developers that <laughs> take care of that and you should be able to do so and um but yeah it's just not happening and they're promising to change that for years they as you as you told they have uh, as as far as we know they shifted the responsibility to the service team that owns the service from the cloud formation team uh, but that seems to have no real effect <laughs> on the problem so it's still uh, an issue and i actually i don't believe that this will change um yeah, on the <laughs> other side so it, it doesn't improve the speed but it makes the api worse because now people are designing CloudFormation constructs that have no idea how CloudFormation works okay yeah okay so so to so actually um i was uh, i was making jokes about that on twitter and I, i'd say this is the only way <laughs> um that there is a chance that aws is able to hire me <laughs> to fix all those missing CloudFormation resource and properties and actually and um, there's an open position very nearby to us <laughs> so uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if, if it's really possible to fix that problem, but um, you, you know, there are those fun stories about developers that get hired to just solve one bug <laughs> that has been, <laughs> and then they, then they resigned. Yeah, but um, I, don't, I don't get it why it's, I, I can't believe that this is a real issue for AWS to, to get that uh, fixed, but it seems to be um, a problem, I don't know. Um, yeah, and this is really frustrating um, to me. And this is also why I'm a little bit frustrated with the available options for infrastructure as code those days, because I think CloudFormation um, is really, it's so frustrating to use it. And every time I use it, I'm, I'm getting angry. Uh, and then Terraform has the benefit of um, having all those features implemented, all those resources and properties, but it has other uh, issues that, that I'm not too happy about. So yeah, I'm at the moment, I'm really missing um, a very good alternative <laughs> and I'm looking for one and um, um, thinking about, I have even thought about starting an open source project to solve that, but Michael um, <laughs> hindered me <laughs> to do so because it doesn't make sense to do that as a one person show. But yeah, but 
I think that's exactly the issue of the XKCD with the 99 standards. So they're all bad. We need a, we need one overarching and then we have 100 standards. Yeah, exactly. Okay, maybe that's not the issue, but I, I just don't know how to, to solve that. In theory, I, I really like the concept of CloudFormation. I really like the service, but, but this one thing is really making it it's so frustrating to use it. Uh, of course, you can build just with the features from two or three years ago. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm here for building the stuff with the latest available uh, technology, so I'm not really interested in that. So Terraform is an option, but with Terraform, uh, I think the, the big problem with Terraform is the state handling. So yeah, you are responsible to handle the state uh, on your own. And there is Terraform Cloud, which I don't really get the idea. So I think CloudFormation, uh, Terraform Cloud is probably the idea behind that is you're getting into the whole HashiCorp universe and buying all their other stuff. <laughs> so one thing, for example, the authentication um, a layer, then you need Vault and stuff like that. So it seems a little bit to be built in a way that you are getting into the whole ecosystem. And that's why I don't like that approach too much. Um, yeah, of course, you can host. I'm seeing, uh, sorry, another thing I am seeing with customers, and that's not not to go too far into this direction, but compliance. It's another vendor, so you have another uh, entity involved where you store data, where you put your infrastructure responsibilities. So we have two companies that you need all this regulatory thing. Yeah, yeah, that's an issue as well. I agree. And the other, of course, the option is I think most um, organizations that I know. They are just uh, storing the Terraform state on S3 and DynamoDB in their own accounts. Of course, that's an option, but yeah, you're getting a lot of other problems then. So you need to secure that thing in a way, and most organizations don't. <laughs> and they just live with the fact that, I don't know, the RDS master password is just stored in plain text in there. Um, so yeah, so I think um, that's a little bit of complexity that I really don't like, and I would love a simpler solution to that. Uh, and it even gets more complicated if you're going into having multiple environments and then there is the concept of Terraform workspaces or there's TerraGrant, another tool on top of Terraform that you could use. Um, yeah, so the complexity of that is uh, compared to CloudFormation where you just have the backend and uh, create your stacks. Uh, I really don't like that additional complexity. Um, but that's at the moment uh, the price I'm paying a little bit to, to at least have all those um, resources and properties implemented yeah. using terraform how do you tackle the discussion with clients about yeah i can write it once and run it everywhere it's multi-cloud uh i don't think that this so i haven't heard about this discussion <laughs> i think this was um something that HashiCorp um was pushing at the beginning more i think nowadays it's it's not too important anymore because i think it's also um not really true because of course you're using the same language uh, to say to define your infrastructure but of course all the resources are completely different uh, for the different cloud vendors so you cannot really reuse anything you've written for aws for for azure or google cloud so um i think the, the only advantage you have is that you can use um yeah the same the same language um to define your stuff but i don't think that this is too important actually so i haven't heard that argument too often actually um lately yeah yeah i had it in several discussions when choosing the tool that yeah let's use terraform so we can move to azure if we want and then 
it's always this like, no, you can't because you cannot just use your code somewhere else. Oh, we we have to rewrite it? Yes. So what's, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I, I'm not sure. Is it, I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure about that. But uh, is it possible that they started more like that in the beginning that they had abstracted resources? I don't know. Maybe they had something like that in the beginning and they tried, but I think it's not but possible. But you, you definitely yeah. write an AWS instance or an Azure instance and it's definitely a completely different code absolutely nowadays you do I, I i just i have something in my <laughs> in my in my mind um that at the very beginning there might have been some abstracted resources but, but i don't know maybe it's not true um yeah i don't think that's a very important argument um those days um yeah i think the other thing that i'm missing when when writing terraform is um the I don't know how to call it, the, the CFN uh, signal mechanism that I can use to wait for something happening on an EC2 instance or within an autoscaling group, or also the, the rolling update uh, supported by autoscaling groups with CloudFormation. Um, that's something I, that is uh, a little missing with Terraform and is sometimes a little bit um, yeah, uh, tricky to, to build your infrastructure uh, as far as it, con it consists of EC2 instances. Um, yeah, but that's I think the the only other issue I have. So other than that, I think the yeah the the real as I mentioned many times now, the real benefit is that they are very fast at implementing new services and features. And for me, one of the issues why I'm very reluctant to use Terraform is the best effort approach when creating resources. Mm. So it's not like you get, you have either a start or the end state. You have anything in between. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Three out of five are successful. So now you have three resources. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I was a little bit, um, um, yeah, this, this, this uh, was something I, um, that I noticed as well when, when going into Terraform. But on the other hand, I think you mean that the rollback functionality of CloudFormation that is missing with Terraform. It's I, atomic. In CloudFormation, yeah. you either have the start or the end state and nothing in between. That's correct. On the other side, what do you do when a deployment fails? Um, you try to fix it and, and get to your desired state, right? So, I, of course, it's a... I get your point, but on the other side, I'm not sure if that's too big of an issue in 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 in, in reality. I don't know. Yeah, the thing is, the infrastructure might be broken in between. Yes. So if it rollbacks and I get a second chance the next day after fixing it, I retry it. Yeah. And yeah. With a half deployment, it's like, oh yeah, it's broken now. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, I got that. Yeah. That's correct. Um, but on the other side, what I can tell you from from my experience with Terraform is um, I haven't, I can't remember really a scenario where I've, where I've been running into something like that because usually those things come up um, when deploying to uh, a test or a staging environment, okay. and I can solve that up front. But yes, of course, maybe in theory, it's a it's theoretical possible. problem when looking at the project, but not when using it. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I, I can think of. Of course, it's possible that you run into the issue and you could cause a downtime on production. <laughs> that's that's absolutely correct. Um, but yeah, you can you can either yeah, roll given back. Yeah, we discussed uh, these two options with, with CloudFormation and Terraform, and you already mentioned. Yeah, you were um, creating an open source project to <laughs> create reusable modules. Mm -hmm. um, that's exactly the value proposition of things like the CDK ecosystem with AWS CDK for CloudFormation or CDK for Terraform or something like Pulumi. Any thoughts on this next abstraction level? <laughs> yes. So um, I have looked into the CDK, uh, but I never really um, adopted it in a way like you do. So I'm not full, full into uh, CDK. Um, the reason for that is 
the first reason is um, <laughs> I don't want to use a tool that relies on cloud formation <laughs> because I don't <laughs> because that's the, the same frustrating experience with all those um, uh, properties and resources missing. And um, so that's one one issue. Um, I'll, as I'm a software developer, um, I like the uh, the idea of having a, a real programming language to describe uh, my infrastructure, and I like the auto completion, the typed uh, resources, and all that stuff. Um, I, I really like that. Um, um, but on the other hand, um, one other issue that I have with with the CDK in, for example, one of the consulting projects I'm currently in is that uh, the team that is um, responsible for the infrastructure as code is coming um, or basically uh, coming from the ops uh, perspective to AWS. Um, so for them, Terraform is already, um, so I think it's, as it is comparable to maybe a configuration file, they are kind of used to that uh, way of, of doing things, but but it's, it's already, um, yeah, stretching what they're usually comfortable doing uh, on day -to -day, in their day-to-day -day work. So I think it would be very hard to introduce um, a programming language um, um, to, to, to manage their infrastructure. So, so I think um, the CDK for me is a great tool, especially if you are a software developer and you want to uh, have uh, the same um, yeah, tooling uh, that you are familiar with when defining infrastructure as code. But I think there are many, many people out there that are writing um, infrastructure as code that are not familiar with a programming language. And for them, it's another big step to get there, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So the learning curve is not that easy. So if you tell somebody new about AWS, this is AWS, this is infrastructure as code, this is using CDK, this is CloudFormation under the hood. And so, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why I'm, uh, so I've used it for some projects, uh, especially those where I'm the only one <laughs> who, who does the infrastructure as code. And I'm, I'm happy with the experience. I like the experience a lot. Um, but yeah, the, the, big, um, the big cons are for me, the cloud formation <laughs> underneath um, because of the reasons we discussed. And then the, the other thing is um, really uh, making sure that this fits into the team that is then responsible for um, maintaining the infrastructure code in the future. Do they really, are they really into a programming language like TypeScript um, or is it much, is it maybe more cumbersome, uh, but but still, um, yeah, much easier to get into playing CloudFormation or Terraform. Yeah, that I, I, I totally get what you mean. So for me, the biggest pro, but also the biggest con is it's easy to write things. So it, it's easy if everything is great. So having all this IAM and security group support is really great because people now get automated least privilege instead of using wildcards, what they normally do. But on the other hand, if something breaks, you have no idea what's happening under the hood so, because you still own all these resources. And there are resources that were created. You have no idea what they do and where they come from. So it, it's both. It, it's making it easy if it works, but it's making it hard if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's another, that's another, I would say, also very good point that as you have another abstraction layer on top, uh, of course, it gets more convenient. But then if you have to dive into the details, it gets a lot, lot more complicated as well. As always, I would say, this is the, it's <laughs> the thing pros and cons of an Complexity never goes away. You can just hide mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But a problem has a certain complexity. You cannot get mm -hmm. rid of it. 
Yeah, and they're even adding more complexity, right? Because you have to understand the tool chain, basically. <laughs> but you cannot reduce complexity. You can yeah. hide some parts of it. Yeah. But they are That's still true. there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So so I think the other, um, so I think what is it, last week ago or something, um, the, the CDK for Terraform um, was released. Um, and I think that might be interesting for me. I will look into that as far as I could, uh, so I just did a very um, short um, look into that. I think the uh, what's interesting for me is that it's Terraform underneath. <laughs> so I, I don't run into all those issues with uh, missing CloudFormation support. On the other hand, it seems to me like uh, there are no um, higher level constructs or almost no higher level constructs available. Um, so that's a little bit, <laughs> um, yeah, that the magic of the CDK is a little bit limited here. So let's see how this involves over time. I think some some people are working on that. Either it's already there or it's planned for the near roadmap to have full support of um, CDK CloudFormation constructs to be used with CDK for Terraform. Ah, okay. That, that might be very interesting. Level two and yeah. level three constructs in, in CDK basically uh, yeah, consist of level one CloudFormation resources. And if they replace this level and say, okay, I know what we want to do, I replace it with the corresponding Terraform thing. Um, I think they're, they're working on this, so you can just use all these level twos and level threes in, in Terraform, which is basically the same. And that's the, the last option we were talking is Pulumi. They also support all the CDK for CloudFormation um, resource uh, constructs now, but use their Pulumi technology in, in the backend to deploy it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's see where this is going to. I think it's maybe a little too early to to make the decision on that. But CDK for Terraform might be an interesting choice, and I will definitely um, try to get my hands dirty um, uh, with that uh, very soon to play around with that a little bit um, because that might solve some of my issues. Maybe it also solves the issue of deploying to multiple environments because I have some glue code around that I can use without going into the Terraform workspace or all that stuff, um, TerraGrant and stuff. Maybe the CDK around that uh, helps me to do uh, things like deploying to test and production and stuff like that more easily. But because there are some limitations with Terraform, especially when it comes to configuring the AWS provider and you have some limitations there. And I think it, it, it's possible that this can be solved with the CDK as yeah, well. Yeah, I see this so often with customer projects that they just have copies of their Terraform code for each environment. Yes. And yes. that's exactly the reason why you're using IAC to get yeah. one you, state that defines all your environments. Yeah, you can, you can use, I think the probably the the approach that I know of that is the, the, the most lean approach to that is probably TerraGrant, uh, which helps you to build or have a structure that really uh, supports this um, without copying stuff around. Um, but yeah. Mm. It's back to the learning curve. It's another tool you need to know. Yeah. Um, okay, of course, if I need to learn CDK to do Terraform, I'd still have two tools, so, but maybe. Uh, yeah, not yeah. compared to the CDK, <laughs> but um, back comparing to, to CloudFormation. To yeah. yeah, you have one template, you have parameters, and it's naturally multi-environment. And Terraform, I see so many people just copying whole folders for different environments. I said, why? Why? Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What I was thinking about is, um, so I told you, I was thinking about starting <laughs> another project to solve the problem of infrastructure. But what I really was, um, to my, my thinking was like that. So I think the the issue with, so with CloudFormation, we have 
somehow the issue that AWS is not willing to <laughs> to bring us the support for all those resources and properties. Okay, I don't know why, but I cannot fix that from the outside. Um, the CDK, in my opinion, has the same issue. Uh, I like the concept, uh, but I think the CloudFormation is limiting this approach. Then with Terraform, I think what, what is a little, um, what I'm not sure, uh, or the problem here is maybe that this is all built in a way that you buy the products from HashiCorp. <laughs> so the problems you're running into um, all have a solution that you can buy from, from HashiCorp, but then you're going into the whole ecosystem there. And I'm not sure if that's really what I want to do. And um, so I was thinking about maybe we need um, another option that is just um, a really open source project with no um, um, plans to to sell other side products, basically, um, to get around those things. And for example, when I think about building such a product um, or an open source project, um, I thought about isn't there an easier way to solve the, the managing the state problem inside an AWS account? How could you build something like that, that it's secure by default and stuff like that? So I think that is something that I'm missing a little bit from Terraform. I think they are really focusing on yeah, selling their their stuff. Of course, that's that's fine. You, they should do that. But um, that was what I was thinking about to build another uh, or start another uh, solution to the whole thing. But of course, it's a re very, very large amount of work because you have to implement all those resources. <laughs> and we can see even AWS <laughs> can, seems not possible to solve that. Um, so you need a lot of contributors. Yeah, maybe you should talk to the inventor of um, the CDK, Ila. Uh -huh. um, he left AWS um, beginning of the year. Okay. And starting um, or is, is now leading his own company. Okay. Um, creating the next abstraction level on top of all this that truly is what he was saying it's the unix of the cloud or okay. the POSIX of the cloud okay <laughs> let's see yeah maybe so i'm also waiting for something coming up <laughs> that solves all those problems so that i can just use it that would be perfect yes <laughs> giving it another shot <laughs> yeah yeah he created the cdk and now he's trying the next level okay that's cool <laughs> sounds promising <laughs> okay yeah, I think it was really nice. I think this has been really great. Um, where can people find out more about you online? You mentioned already some of the things, but maybe sum it up again. Yeah, I think the most important uh, thing where you can find um, my stuff is cloudonow.io. Um, I think that's the best place to look for um, technical AWS content that really goes into uh, the details. Um, should be um, yeah, very valuable to have a look at that. Perfect. Thanks for joining me today. It was a pleasure, Torsten. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Torsten Höger, and I hope you join me again next time for Cloud Automation Weekly.